0: talk about uh, a different vantage point today. Different vantage point, a different viewpoint, uh different place to look out today. Looking from the Psalms and I want us to pray as we get started that the Lord would move and touch in this class and every class that's going on that he would have his way today. Let's join together in prayer. Lord Jesus, we come before you. Lord, we are thankful honored and privileged to be in your presence, God, that you have allowed us to gather together in your presence with one another. And Lord, I believe and trust that you're going to move in every class today, Lord, that you would anoint every teacher, that they would speak your word with the clarity and boldness, the word that you've given them. Lord, I believe that you're going to anoint every ear, that every uh, person can receive the word that you have for them today, God. And we give you praise and glory glory for believing and trusting you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. A different vantage point. So this is a different view uh, from what you have. And we're going to be reading from uh, the Psalms today. Psalms chapter 61 reading the first four verses I believe well let me look and see it only has eight verses but we're going to be looking at the first part of this psalm and uh, beginning with verse one there it's a psalm of David and it says hear my cry O God attend unto my prayer from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed lead me to the rock that is higher than I for that, I just realized why something strange was going on in my head. Uh, do, you, do you guys you know there was the phase where you sang scripture? Do you, do you remember that at all, possibly? Or was that just in my own head? No. We used to do that. We used to, they used to put music to, to the words, and thats what, I didn't even realize it until I was reading. I was like, why is a tune going through my head? But we sang these verses anyway. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> You hear those first three words of verse one, hear my cries, well, that will be your prayer if I sing it. <laughs> and they all had to be sung with an acoustic guitar. It seemed like they should be. Well, anyway, anyway, I won't say, I'll just leave that alone. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Verse three, for thou has been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. All right. All right. <laughs> Oh, boy. Uh, I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. Selah. All right. So, uh, yeah, now, now that's going to keep playing through my... I, don't, I didn't even realize that until I just started reading that out loud. Anyway, maybe I should start reading it out loud and sing in my own office. But we find this, uh, this is a psalm of David. You know, psalms were written by a lot of different people, but this is a psalm of David. And it is a song. (laughs) I don't know if that was the right tune, but it was a song. So he wrote it as a personal devotion, and he wrote it to be sung as well. And this, uh, you know, some of it, it's kind of difficult to place exactly when some things were written. Uh, But a lot of people have said that this psalm was written while David... Is in a a time of his life that's not really that great. You can judge that by the psalm. But it's specifically the time when he has been uh, exiled from Jerusalem, from the tabernacle, uh, possibly during this period of Absalom, his son's rebellion. So his son is trying to take the throne. (coughs) And David has been forced to flee. And so he's no longer, uh, he can no longer visit the temple. He's no longer in the city of God, Jerusalem. And so it's the prayer uh, and thanksgiving of an expelled king. So you can begin to understand now why he's uh, saying the words that he does uh, that that we just read because he's in uh, uh, a not great state. His son is trying to overthrow him. He's understanding in the Old Testament that there was something uh, in people's minds. We we understand that this building uh, is not where the spirit of God dwells. We understand that fact that when we leave here, we're not exiting the spirit of God But in the old testament, there was a very close connection with the temple and god god dwelt in the temple So when you left the temple Uh, you were kind of leaving god And so understanding now that this is how david felt that I can't get to the presence of god Is how he would feel now that's hard for you and I to imagine because That's not the dispensation we live in uh, but understanding that that's why David's writing this as well is because he feels like he has been physically removed from the presence of God, not just spiritually, but physically. And this psalm is, is again, very personal, and, and it's, it's well adapted to uh, our private devotion, just of an individual. And, and we find in this psalm the reason that it's so well adapted and useful for you and I is because it contains language and ideas that pretty much everyone in here can relate to. Uh, we find through David's words, we find the tone and the feeling behind the psalm. And it's a feeling that I'm sure every single person in here can associate with, and that's the feeling of being overwhelmed. Have you ever felt overwhelmed before? Now, uh, <laughs> his circumstances, again, are a little bit different than probably anything you and I will encounter. Uh, if, if you are fortunate at some point in your life to be made a king, uh, I, that would be great if you were made king. And then your son tries to overthrow you and you're exiled from your kingdom Well, then you can associate exactly with what David's going through But overwhelmed is something that state that feeling is something that all of us uh, um, Experience in our life, even though we don't have a kingdom we experience being overwhelmed And it's overwhelmed is a relative term Because uh, there's there's people that raise their hand throughout this place I would venture to say everyone can raise their hand And Being overwhelmed is relative because what overwhelms you may not overwhelm me and what may overwhelm me may not overwhelm you And so there's lots of things that play into this the uh, uh, The the timing of events may overwhelm us sometimes It's a it's a big event that overwhelms us and we get news or we end up in a circumstance and we're just like man I don't know what to do. Sometimes it's because you stubbed your toe But that was the 50th day in a row that you'd stubbed your toe And you're like, that's it. And you get so mad, you pick up the whole dresser, clothes and all, and throw it through the window. All you did was stub your toe. No, it was the 50th time I stubbed my toe. It's the accumulation of things. Okay, so sometimes that that feeling of overwhelming is relative. It's not the kid waking up at 2 in the morning. It's that he wakes up at 2 every single morning. Okay, so it's the accumulation. And then, again, sometimes it's just... The situation itself is an overwhelming situation. A situation that really anyone could say, that is overwhelming. And so, there's different things that play into why we feel overwhelmed. It could be the magnitude of the situation. It could be the impossibility of the situation. It could be the continuation of a situation without ever seeing an end. All of those things contribute to feeling overwhelmed. And the word overwhelmed simply means covered, covered. Feeble fainting or swooning now. I know uh, wives when you first saw your husband That's what you felt you felt overwhelmed and you felt swooning and you felt all of that stuff But that idea of a situation or or a feeling that seems to just make us feel feeble faint Makes us feel covered and there's moments in our life when we get feeling that way There's moments in our life whether and here's the thing we're not going to talk about if you should feel overwhelmed Okay, we're not going to get into that because there are moments when I realized uh, I should be bigger than this, but I feel overwhelmed. I'm not going to get into why you feel overwhelmed, but the fact that we do get overwhelmed, whatever the reason, we get to those points in life where we feel like we're feeble, like we're fainting, really covered by whatever the issue is. We feel surrounded by it. Now, that word overwhelmed has another interesting meaning. It means to envelop oneself. And this is kind of interesting because... Uh, I thought that's exactly what tends to happen as as the situation comes over me as, And maybe your personality is different But this is this is what my personality likes to do and, and a lot of other people as well as As we feel overwhelmed by a situation as we feel more and more out of control as we feel uh, uh, That sense of fainting within ourselves. We start to envelop ourselves in other words, we start to turn inwards in those times. We start to uh, detract uh, from our interaction with other people. We begin to withdraw from others. And then ultimately, many times, we even begin to withdraw from God. Uh, I don't know what you do when you get upset. Uh, we, won't, we won't ask what you do. We won't ask for examples. Uh, but when, when I get upset, I usually get quieter. I turn inward. I, I just... Like, nope, it's fine, it's good, we're done, that's it. I, I tend to just get quiet. And I do exactly that, I, I en- envelop myself. And we can get in those situations where whether the, whether, uh, the situation is, is warranted that we should feel overwhelmed or not, where we begin to turn in on ourselves. And then sometimes, again, to the exclusion of God. It's important for us to realize that, that this psalm tells us that men that we count spiritual... So david counted as a man after god's own heart Does it get much more spiritual than being called a man after god's own heart? It's important for us to understand and realize that men that we count as spiritual felt overwhelmed, too That men that we felt that that we know are spiritual that god counted as righteous that god uh, uh, Praises felt this way they felt overwhelmed at times Sometimes we feel overwhelmed and we feel these things and all we feel is guilt because we should be better Well, then you just add guilt to feeling overwhelmed understand it's not the feeling of overwhelmed that is wrong Because you know what you're going to feel overwhelmed at some point in your life And let me just tell you you're going to feel overwhelmed again in your life You will so you can say that's wrong. That's bad, but it's going to happen in your life So it's not the feeling of of feeling like you're overwhelmed that's wrong, but it's my response to that feeling That determines things and this is where we can draw great strength from the psalmist because first of all We understand that David felt that way, but then also we see the response of David (laughs) As well as feeling overwhelmed. So that's the feeling within the writer uh, as he's writing this I think we should also see where David is writing from Now there's conjecture about whether this is physical or just an emotional or spiritual state that he felt uh, But we can associate to this we understand Uh, That that feeling of overwhelm but the where adds a little bit more to our understanding. It tells us he is crying from the ends of the earth (laughs) We might say it uh, a little bit different way. We're crying. We've reached the end of our rope is we've reached the ends of the earth And really what it means is that he feels that he is at the farthest point from a solution He is at the farthest point from help He is at the farthest point from others and possibly he's at his farthest point from god Now you can raise your hand or not, but i've been in that situation before Where I felt like i'm crying to god from the ends of the earth And i've got to yell just to be heard I've got i've got to, I feel like there's nobody around. I feel like I, I i'm saying those verses He won't leave me or forsake me to strengthen myself because I feel like i'm at the end of the earth and nobody knows where I am Again, it's important for us to see that David says this, a man after God's own heart is crying from the ends of the earth. He can go no farther. He feels like he can be no more distant from a solution, from people, from from God than what he feels right now. And if we take that the psalm was written during that time frame when his son is trying to overthrow him, uh, then David is crying from what would seem like the ends of the earth because he's exiled from his home. He's exiled from the temple. He is in a completely unfamiliar situation. And it's in those points when it seems completely unfamiliar that we feel like we're at the end of the earth. He can't be in the place that he, knows God, that he knows that God dwells. He can't even see the temple, never mind enter it. And again, that's physically, but spiritually sometimes I feel like I can't see the temple, never mind enter it. There's times when I feel like, man, I, I, I know there's a church building there, but man, I, I, it's, it's tough. And again, (laughs) it may be because you stubbed your toe for the 50th time, or it may be a valid reason for feeling overwhelmed, but he's calling from the ends of the earth. But I think what it's important for us to see from this psalm as well is that this psalm tells us even though David feels like he is at the end of the earth, even the end of the earth is a suitable place for prayer. Never forget that prayer is is the right solution in every situation. Even when it feels like God is far off, even when it feels like the solution is far off, even when it feels like you've been disconnected from what you know spiritually, the end of the earth, prayer is still a suitable thing to do in that situation. One author said this, to pray in some circumstances takes more resolve than others. But david demonstrates the resolve that's needed You know, there, there's there's times I'd say there's there's different stages to how we feel. There's the good times There's the bad times and then there's the times we just are done The good times, you know, so it's the good times are a little bit weird It's kind of like the other end because sometimes we forget to praise god You know, there's the story of the ten lepers nine forgot one came back and praised Okay, so there's times when the times are good and we forget to praise god It's also the times when it's easiest because when they get up and say Why don't you thank the lord for what he's done? You got a list of things you can go through aren't those good times You know my family's doing good. My job's doing good They're, you know I didn't read the newspaper for a week days are great Then you got the times when things are bad These are the times when you know you need god God if you don't help me Things are turning against you. You, can, you could, uh, instead of the list of blessings, you could fill up the, the prayer request screen with all your stuff. And then there's the ends of the earth. The ends of the earth. When it's so bad, you don't even want to pray. Maybe you've not been there. When you see, feel so distant from God that you don't even want to mess with it, because you don't even think he hears. It's almost like the other one. You just forget. It's so bad, you just forget The situation is so impossible that it's just like, what's the point of even praying it so bad? Now, maybe maybe you've never experienced that. Maybe you've never been in that situation. But David seems to be in this situation, and it's in this spot. It's in this spot that it takes more resolve to pray than not to pray. When it seems like God doesn't hear, that's when it's harder to pray. (laughs) When it seems like the ceiling is right here. In fact, you're having to duck down to get through. That's when it takes resolve to pray. And that's the point we end up, now I'm glad I don't live in that place, but that's the place that some of us end up sometimes. But David demonstrates that there is a resolve that's needed in those moments. He says, uh, from the ends of the earth, I will cry unto thee. Now, one author stated that this is the cry that's uttered when you see someone at a distance. Hey! Hey! How you doing over there? You see him across the room. So this is not a handshake. This is a distant, far-off cry, like you're trying to catch someone's attention across the room when you try to catch the eye of that uh, girl that was blatantly ignoring you, but you were still trying to catch her eye. And it adds to the idea that the author feels that God is not close. He's not a handshake away. He's way over there. He's going to have to cry. He's going to have to make himself known. It's the, sorry, known, sorry. (laughs) It's, It's real faith that can still call upon God even when he appears far off. It's real faith that can do that. And there's a resolve in his voice. I will cry unto thee. Now maybe that's added emphasis by the speaker. I don't know. But he states that he will cry even from the ends of the earth Now this is something that you and I Cannot resolve when once we get to the ends of the earth The issue of whether I will cry when I get there Is resolved before then In fact, I would say it starts being resolved in the good times When things are going good When I make up my mind to say, you know what? I know it's going good now But I know that it might not always be going my way. But even in those moments when I feel like I'm at the ends of the earth, I'm going to state right now, I will still cry unto God. I will still call on His name. Even when He seems distant. Because the time to make those decisions becomes even harder when it seems like He's distant. So, I need to make those decisions in my mind. We know the life of David. We know the life he lived, and he had made certain commitments. uh, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Well, that's that's made so that when the bad times come, you've made a resolution in your mind that we're not backing up, we're not quitting. No, we've made a resolution. In the same way, I need to resolve in my mind that it doesn't matter what comes my way, I'm not going to quit communicating with God. That's very important for us to realize. I can't quit communicating with God he states that even the ends of the earth will not define his relationship with God Even the situation will not define my relationship with God Now that can be tough and there's people that have gone through tough things in this place And you know in those moments when it's rough It's very easy for those circumstances to shape your relationship with God But David has to make a resolve in his mind before he enters the situation that no situation will change my relationship with God He says i'm going to cry unto thee and here's here's the simple thing I pick up from this Keep crying now again whether david's really crying or he's just yelling He's probably yelling saying it's got the idea that god's far off. So he's crying. He's saying hey god, where are you? I would say this to you never quit crying That seems a little bit strange, but when I quit crying, when I find myself at the end of the earth, when I quit crying, then I can become a victim of despair and hopelessness. Because even at the ends of the earth, I've got to understand whether it's a cry, whether it's whatever it is, I have to keep the lines of communication with God open. Even though it seems like it may just be one way, I cannot quit communicating with God. And if all I can muster is a cry unto Him, then I say to you, keep crying. Keep crying. You've got to keep calling on the name of the Lord. Even in the middle of desperation. And we see that He knows where His answer has to come from. I need to understand before I get to the end of the earth, that no matter where I am, His arm is not short no matter where I am. Even in the ends of the earth, let me me tell you this, it doesn't matter... Where on the earth I feel like I am, what does scripture tell me? All the earth is the Lord's. So even when I feel like I'm at the edge and I believe in a flat earth and I'm about to fall off the end, you know what, even at the very edge of it, it's still the Lord's earth. He's still in control. He still knows where I am. You see, it's faith in those moments that I have resolved and determined in my life that I can call out to the Lord in a hospital room when it seems like it's hopeless. It's faith that I've predetermined. It's faith that calls out in the middle of distress that's predetermined that says, I will still cry unto him from the ends of the earth. There's a determination here that declares when he says, I will, that no matter how overwhelmed I may be, I will. I will. I determine in my life that no matter the circumstance, I will call upon the Lord. I will cry to Him. No matter how far off He may seem, I will call upon His name. That's a determination that needs made in our life. Scripture, well, it's implied in Scripture that there's some things that need to be settled. And this is something I think that should be settled in our lives. That no matter how far it may, we may feel like we are from God, I will call on His name. And here's the thing. David's real good. Now see this is it's not the fact of being overwhelmed It's what he does with the feeling of overwhelmed and this psalm is no different than than there's a bunch of psalms that are just like this Uh, David and other people they write things that I can't believe they say to god I can't believe they say some of that stuff But it's interesting when you look at a lot of those psalms like this one. He's feeling overwhelmed god. Where are you? I'm at the end of the earth. I'm separated from you You'll see a turn in every one of those There's always a turn he never ends a psalm in depression. That's a lesson right there. You keep it inside, you're going to end up in depression. Where do I take my cares? Where do I take my burdens? Where do I take all my, all my complaints? I take them to the Lord in prayer. That's the only way I can end up not being in depression. Okay, he says, for, and this is where it starts to turn. He says, I'm overwhelmed, I'm going to cry to you. From the ends of the earth, he's saying, I'm in a bad state. And then he says, For thou hast been. And this is where he starts to pull on his own spiritual reserves. In the ends of the earth, this is why it's important for us in the good times to put stuff in there, to put things in our life that we know. Because when we get to the ends of the earth, then all of a sudden we can say, For thou hast been. And we begin to pull on our own, you know, we think of our testimony going out in the streets and telling everybody else. And we got uh, Nick Mahaney coming, and he's going to, at some point, probably tell us his testimony. And then you're all going to feel worthless about your testimony. (laughs) You're going to think, maybe I should go out and do some of that stuff and then come pray back through and then have testimony. (laughs) Don't do that. But it's in the, it, it, sometimes we, we, we think, you know, our testimony is about other people. Sometimes our testimony is for ourselves. Sometimes our testimony is for when I'm at the end of the earth. So when I'm standing there, and I'm crying to God, and it feels far off, all of a sudden I can say, but you know what? It feels like I'm far away. Like I've got to say, hey God, you're way over there. Hey. But I know, for thou hast been a strong tower for me. Thou hast been a shelter. And I begin to pull on my own testimony and say, you know what? I know he's been this in my life before. And I know he's done this before. And I know the situation I'm in, but I trust that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I know that he doesn't change. And so whatever he did before he can do it again in my life it's important for us to be able to say that phrase for thou has been and if I can't if I can't put something after that then that's a you're gonna you're gonna struggle (laughs) you're gonna struggle when you come to the end of the earth if you don't know what God's been to you it's gonna be tough when you come to the end of the earth because at the end of the earth there's not too many people Because people don't like living at the ends of the earth Those are the moments when it doesn't matter what's preached and what you watch and who You you can't know sometimes this got to come from inside of myself And me knowing who god is to me because I can I can Well people can say things and you can brush that off real easy You can can hear the preacher preach and tell you how great God is, and you can brush that, that off with, but you don't know where I am. You don't know my circumstance. You don't know this. You don't know that. And that's all true. That's why I need something inside myself, because I know where I was and God came through. I know how bad I was and He saved my soul. So David says, For thou hast been, understanding that he pulls upon his own testimony. Then he says, I will trust in the covert of thy wings. Now, David was not ignorant of the tabernacle, of the temple. He was not ignorant of what take, uh, uh, of what was in the temple. And of course, we know that David brought the Ark of the Covenant back, and so he had seen the Ark of the Covenant. And most people feel that this is a reference to the actual Ark of the Covenant, because over the Ark of the Covenant, co- co- the, over the Ark, we'll just leave it there, we To uh, cherubims over the Ark of the Covenant they had their wings spread forth And he says I will trust in the covert of thy wings most people feel that this Is a a, a, because God is not seen as an angel. He's a spirit that this is referring to the Ark (coughs) And what dwelt underneath the wings of the cherubims what dwelt there was the mercy seat He says I will trust in the covert of thy wings meaning I will get under your wings. And in the Ark of the Covenant, where did that put you? It put you smack in the mercy seat. My trust is in His mercy. What better place is there to trust than in His mercy? We find the word Selah right after this, and of course it's referring to the entire passage, but I believe it's right here because that that word just means that, that the writer wants us to pause. He wants us to consider, to To meditate for a moment. To worship even about what's just been said. And the psalmist puts that word right after he talks about the mercy of God. He says, for thou hast been. And then he also reminds us of his mercy. He says, I'm at the end of the earth. And I want to just take a minute and and remember what he's done in my life. The blessings, the things he's given me. And then he says, I want to go even farther back than that. I want to go back to the mercy seat I want to go back and trust in his mercy If I can get a glimpse of his mercy And where I was And what I deserved And where I am now Even though it feels like the ends of the earth I'm going to realize how much I can trust him And remember this is This is a man who owed a debt He owed a debt that he could not pay And it was not paid Before he died There was no cross in David's time there was no cross before He died. But you and I, how much more should His mercy affect my life? Knowing what He did for me, knowing what mercy held back in my life, knowing everything that I deserved, the debt that I had, how much more should that not encourage me and make me realize that even at the ends of the earth, I have so much to be thankful for and that I can trust in His mercy. And I... The, 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 the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You know, the, the reason we sit here today is because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The reason we're going to worship today is because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The reason for everything that we do today is because of the mercy and the grace of God demonstrated through the gospel. And so it doesn't matter. I know it seems simplistic, but you know what? If we can simply, in whatever situation we're in, catch a glimpse and trust, get under those wings one more time. Get in His mercy one more time, and realize how much His mercy has done in our life, then all of a sudden you know what will flood our hearts? Trust. Because I know what His mercy did before. And so I trust in what His mercy is going to continue to do in my life. When I think about what I deserved in the debt that I owed, and then mercy stepped in. What it did when I was a sinner and had no hope. If mercy was that profound, that involved in my life. Because you know it. You know that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. His mercy was working on you before you cared anything about God. His mercy was doing something to you. We know that no man can come to God unless the Spirit draws him. His mercy is involved in that drawing. Okay, so while while you didn't care about God, he was drawing on you. That's what his mercy was doing. How much more will his mercy do in a life of someone who said, yes, I believe in the sacrifice. I mix my faith with his sacrifice. And suddenly I'm a child of his. I'm in the body of Christ. If his mercy does that for a sinner, how much more will his mercy do for a child of his? And so even though I feel like I'm at the end of the earth, I'm a child of God, so I put my trust in his mercy. If he cares that much for people that don't care about him, how much is he going to care for one of his children? David wants us to recount. He wants us to think about his mercy, what it's already done, and then put your faith in the fact that if he does that while I don't care and he's still unchanging and faithful and sure he's going to do it for me again. All of this put together. We've got Overwhelmed. We've got the ends of the earth. We've got him remembering his testimony, him crying, trusting in God's mercy. All of this together leads us to the phrase that we find in verse 2 that is the solution to this whole situation. It's the solution. When David says, When my heart is overwhelmed, do what? Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Now, Blake's been talking in Sunday school about. Some things about the rock and actually I was studying some things and this was a verse I came across lead me to the rock that's higher than I See really this phrase right here is the crux of the whole prayer the whole psalm If you don't get this point you've missed it all if you don't get this then um, You're going to miss the point of the gospel I've been uh, I've been challenged uh, Well, anyway, I won't get into all that because my timer's going to tell me it's about done but if you don't catch this phrase lead me to the rock that's higher than I you've missed the whole point point. And let me tell you as christians. It's easy for us to miss this point I I can I can find myself at the end of the earth all by myself. I don't need god's help to put me there <laughs> You know that you can get yourself there probably in a couple of weeks <laughs> If not a few days Okay and 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 he says you remember now Now God can help me remember but that remembrance is something I do on my own and I think back about what God has done Even his mercy. I think about how he saved me. This is all about me Right now. This is all about me doing better This is about me finding myself in a bad situation and pulling myself up by my bootstraps and saying you know what suck it up He's been good to you. You keep going on That's moralistic It's important for us to realize that I can do all that stuff that's right and 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 god not be involved in the process Because here's the problem I think I and scripture tells us this I think that if I just think about god enough if i'm positive enough about what he's done If it's a mind over matter thing then I can I can work my way out of this situation Really? It's no different than positive thinking Scripture tells us that they overcame by the word of their testimony. And sometimes, in reality, that's where we leave it. We think, I can pull myself up, I can make myself feel better, I know I stubbed my toe 50 times and I shouldn't feel bad about that, but I'm feeling overwhelmed, I'm at the ends of the earth, and I can just positive my way out of this. And use my testimony. Is using my testimony spiritual in Scripture? Yes, but it says, by the blood of the Lamb. Sometimes we forget about the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the lamb has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with God. Sometimes I think the reason that we end up at the ends of the earth for so long is because we're doing the right Christian things, what we should be doing, but somehow we forgot the phrase, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Because I cannot, I, without God without being led to the rock that's higher than I, without the blood, I can pray, I can fast, I can read my Bible, I can encourage myself, and that's all things that I'm doing and still somehow never be delivered because the only one who can pull me out from the ends of the earth is not just me being better. No, it has to be by the power of Jesus Christ. And that's important. Because that's not how our society goes. Our society is pull yourself up by your bootstraps, all your parents and your grandparents, what they do, they sucked it up, they worked it through, they just plowed through. And we pull that to our Christianity, but that's not what it's about. Christianity is about, yes, I, have, I can't just, you know, just lay back and be lazy. No, that's not what I'm saying. But it is only through the power of Jesus Christ that I can do anything. It's through Him that I live and breathe and move and have my being. That is the bare essentials for life. Living, breathing, having my being. That's not being successful. No, I don't need God to be successful. I don't need God to make it. Yes, I do, but I need God for even simpler things than that. And sometimes I think we just get so caught up in doing the right Christian things that really it almost becomes a sort of Christian humanism. We've got the power in ourselves. I can just pull myself up out of this. No, you can't do it unless you are led to the rock that is higher than you. This is the crux of the whole prayer. David knows there is a place that he needs to get to. That there is a place that will give him a different vantage point of the situation. And he realizes that there is something higher, something greater going on. And he also realizes that he must be led to the rock. That I'm so ignorant in myself that I can't do it on myself. I've even got to be led to the rock. Sometimes we end up at the end of the earth because we haven't been willing to be led. But what this means leading to rock what it what I gather from this is this implies the surrender of my will Because i'm I I have to be willing to be led to where I need to go Sometimes god lets us keep going (laughs) Until we're willing to be led You could have got to the rock a whole lot quicker, but you just wanted to keep going your own way Psalms 27 says this, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. Here's the deal. We think if I pray enough, if I do this, I can climb back up on the rock. No, he's the only one that can set you on the rock. So while that doesn't negate that I have a part to play, it's a partnership. Sometimes as Christians, we take the partnership all on ourselves, And we think, I need God to be saved. But after that, I've just got to be good. I've got to do good. And I'll no, no, you've got to have Jesus Christ to get on the rock, to stay on the rock in times of trouble. He's the only one that can lift you out of your depression over feeling overwhelmed. He's the one that has to do it. The psalmist echoes this statement when he declares that he'll be set upon the rock. And the idea is, here it is, that I cannot depend upon my own strength, my own might, my own wisdom, my own ability. And we all know that. And to me, though, that's that's challenging and encouraging at the same time. It's challenging because I have to get to the point where I quit trying. That sounds weird. Does that mean I quit? No, because David's still saying, hear my prayer. He's still praying. He's still calling out to god Okay But he's at the point where he quits trying to do it on his own strength He quits trying to do it on his own might I don't quit believing But I quit trying to climb the mountain myself because it's impossible for me to get to the top without god I can't climb up the rock because it's so much higher I can't do it. I can't pull myself to safety I can't positive attitude my way out of some situations I can't just think good thoughts and it get better I can't mind over matter it I actually tried that that one Sunday I had to preach uh, And it was so freezing cold I was thinking I'm gonna just I was thinking hot thoughts I was like my muscles are stiff like I can't move It's really hot in here though So I must understand that safety protection And shelter are beyond what I can do. But, so that's challenging. For me to say, you know what? I can't keep myself safe. I can't protect myself. I can't provide shelter for myself. I can't do it. That's tough. (laughs) You know that. Because that's the surrender of my will. But it's encouraging because I realize that when I stop, it's in that moment that suddenly He can lift me up to the rock where I need to be. Paul states it this way in 2 Corinthians, and I'm I'm finishing up here. My timer's in the red. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. That's a weird statement. I take pleasure in reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. That's just a weird verse. Now, understand that Paul doesn't get physical pleasure in being hurt, but he understands what's going on. He understands that when the situation's out of control, past his abilities, and he lets go, he knows that God's about to show up and show himself strong. He knows he's about to be taken to the rock. When I'm weak, when I'm willing to say, I'm crying to you, God. You feel distant. I can't do this. Lord, just lead me to the rock. He understands that that's when God can step in and say, okay, I'm going to lead you to where you need to be. For all this to work, we must have a God who, understand, who understands what the ends of the earth feels like, but is also higher. Philippians chapter 2 says but he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name we didn't need a human savior we didn't need a good man we didn't need a great prophet Let me tell you, this is the difference between Jesus Christ and every other religion, if you want to say. Because what we needed in our lives, what humanity needs, is something that's higher than ourselves. Because we can't get to the height of the rock by ourselves. We can't get to where we need by ourselves. What we needed was a rock that understands what the psalmist said, that understands the word overwhelmed. That was in the garden and prayed so hard was overwhelmed by what was about to take place that he, he was praying and, and drops of blood fell from and he prayed, not my will but thine be done. He knew what it was like to feel overwhelmed and yet at the same time he's still higher than us. He can lift us up to the place where we can see over the overwhelming. When we can see over the disappointment. That's what Hebrews chapter 12 says. But for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He didn't endure the cross because he wanted to feel that pain. He didn't endure that cross because just like Paul, he gloried in infirmities. No, that's not what they're talking about. He did it because he had a different vantage point. He saw past the cross. He saw over the cross. That's what Paul says. I see beyond my infirmities i see beyond that and i see that god is doing something in my life that's the kind of savior that we needed we needed a savior who can associate with you feeling overwhelmed and yet at the same time can pick you up and say let me set you on the rock and let me show you what's really taking place let me give you a different vantage point of the situation he's uh hebrews chapter 7 verse 26 for such an high priest became us who was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. He is our high priest, yet separate. He became us, and yet is separate. He is higher... Than the heavens but he knows what you're going through the cross reminds me when I think about it that he knows and understands pain And overwhelmed and turmoil and distress greater than I ever will But then his resurrection reminds me that although he knows what that feels like he is so much higher He is the rock and it's only on him that I can depend and it's to him that I look to give me a different viewpoint and when david ends up being taken to a higher place when he says, Lord, I'm at the ends of the earth. I can't do it. You've got to lead me to the rock. You've got to take me there. I'm calling on you. I'm going to keep doing what I know to do. But Lord, I know it's not by anything that I do, but only by you and through your power. And he ends up on the rock. Suddenly, he gets a different vantage point. Now, I, you know, who knows where the rock was, whether it was, it was, he's praying, so it's probably not a physical place. But we know that he's still in the same situation. Going to the rock did not mean deliverance from the situation. It meant a different vantage point. So he's still exiled. His son is still trying to overthrow him. But it ends this way, Psalms chapter 61 and verse 8. When he gets to the top of the rock, when God places him where he can see, and he, he says a few other things, but this is how he ends the psalm. It starts out, hear my cry, I'm overwhelmed. This is how it ends. So will I sing praise unto thy name forever that I may daily perform my vows. You see, when I get placed on the rock, I get a completely different vantage point. The ends of the earth look different when I'm up on the rock. The distress that I'm in, the circumstance that I'm in looks different when I'm placed up on the rock. There's places I don't want to go because I know they're so rough and treacherous. In fact, we were flying not too long ago and we flew over Greenland and you could see everything. And, And man, that's, like There's nobody there. I mean, it's untouched. You're flying over places that really, you don't know if any human has ever stepped foot on some of those places before. It's kind of crazy. And up in the airplane, man, it look, I was like, I want to go down. That looks great. That's beautiful. All these snow-capped mountains and glaciers. And, and then, but then, do you really want to get dropped down there? Because <laughs> as far as I could see, there was no human anything. What are you going to do? I mean, nothing's growing, there's no trees, there's nothing. How are you going to survive? But see, suddenly those places that look rough and treacherous that I don't want to go to when I'm in them, suddenly when I get to a high vantage point, I see, wow, there's so much more going on. Paul says this, he he says, in everything give thanks. Thanks. Well, how is that possible that in the middle of this awful situation I I can give thanks? It's not because I think the situation is so good. No. Paul says this is implied that there's a different vantage point that I can see my circumstance from. That even though it's so bad, it's so rough, when he sets me on the rock, suddenly I can sing praise like the psalmist says. I can be in the middle of exile from my kingdom, but I can sing praise unto his name forever. When I get a different vantage point, I realize that I can still praise him. When I see things from a different vantage point, I know I can make it through another day. You see, I think that's important too. He says, "I I will sing praise unto thy name forever. Why? So that I may daily perform my vows. You know what it says? So I can make it tomorrow. It says, I get up on the rock, I see the vast expanse, and you know what I think? I can make it today, and tomorrow I can perform my daily vows. What vows do you have? No, I can perform my daily vows. That means I can get up, I can say lord. It's a good day lord. I'm going to serve you today. I'm going to do what I know is right today Suddenly the vast expanse gives me the strength. I need to make it in the moment To make it tomorrow Even in the ends of the earth. I can still walk with him every single day Because I have a different vantage point Even in the midst of trial and distress I can call on him and know that he will give me strength again to make it through the day in the time when David is tempted to withdraw. In the time when he feels like he's at the ends of the earth. In the time when he feels overwhelmed. It's in this moment he says, Lord, lead me to the rock. I want you to understand this morning that you can try to get out of the ends of the earth. You can try to not feel overwhelmed. You can positive your way out of whatever you want and you can encourage yourself. And he says he uses all those things, but ultimately he knows That it's only through Jesus Christ. It's only through the rock that I can get to where I need to be. I know it seems simple, but put your eyes back on Jesus. Don't put them on your good works. Don't put them on what you can do. But put your eyes on Jesus and say, Lord, lead me to the rock that's higher than myself today. Let's stand this morning. And I want us to pray this morning. If you're in that situation that you are in a state where you feel overwhelmed, I want you just to say those words to him today. Lord, lead me to that rock that's higher than I. I'm thankful for what you've done in my life. I, I'm, I'm not going to quit crying out to you, but Lord, I know what I ultimately le- need is to be led to the rock that's higher than I. Let's pray this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your encouragement. today.